Welcome to the Cocktail Lovers Podcast. I'm Sandra. And I'm Gary. And together, we are the Cocktail Lovers. We're a married couple and we've been writing about cocktails for the past 12 years. But this is the place where we'll be talking about cocktails. We're going to be talking about products. We're going to be talking about books. And we're going to be talking about the bars that we love and we think that you'll love too. We'll also be checking in with some of the biggest names in the industry and asking them to share their top tips with us to help you up your mixing game at home. We like to think of ourselves as your new best friends cocktail wise so let's hear what's on the show this week with world whiskey day coming up on the 21st of may we've decided to go dark this week not deep and meaningful we hasten to add we're much more shallow than that no we're talking dark as in wiseman bourbon and takamaka rum the two spirits that we're highlighting dark as in moody and sexy like the vibe at soshu lounge our featured bar and dark, as in stirred down and mostly brown, a la the style of the cocktails in Old Man Drinks, our chosen book. So where does whiskey come into the equation, you may be thinking? That's down to this week's guest, Thomas Hask, co-founder of Black Rock, one of our favourite whiskey bars, and Whiskey Me, the super cool subscription service dropping premium whiskies through letterboxes every month. But first... We are the cocktail lovers, so let's mix ourselves a cocktail. So Sandra. Gary. This coming Saturday, being the third Saturday of May, can only mean one thing. World Whiskey Day. So yeah, every year for however many years, third Saturday of may remember that so that being this saturday is the 21st of may so with that in mind i thought whiskey drink obs and i'm <laughs> and obs. obs yeah i I'm, i know the language and i'm gonna make a whiskey highball okay that's good actually because that's nice simple something that most people can get behind and make actually uh, all of the above mm-hmm. all of the and the thing is I, I one of the things about this is i think for a long while like a lot of people i just used to think like whiskey and soda you know didn't think of it beyond a sort of made drink drink yes and then you and i we discovered whiskey highballs proper i would say what four or five years ago yeah. something like that well also just getting getting to grips with the complexities of it and what the beauty that it brings out in yes. the drink i think i think beauty is a good word because mm. i think part of the if you like renaissance if that's the word i'm looking for of the whiskey high boys because it's coming out as a japanese bartending mm. although it's not a japanese drink but they've sort of like a lot of things they've perfected it's serving so over those last few years we've picked up a, a number of tips i would say so as you say very easy drink to make but like all easy things there's some little tips that hopefully enhance your drinking pleasure Mm. actually the easier things are the not harder but in a way they bring out more so you have to have it's about quality of ingredients i would say yes it's definitely about that which i'll come on to shortly and the the thing that over the years we've picked up is approaching a highball like any other sort of cocktail like a stirred cocktail or shaken cocktail and that key thing there quality of ingredients as you say but also chilling and i never used to think about this with highballs 
but you know it's all about making sure everything is really chilled so i've got some glasses here which have been chilling chilled chilled they've been sitting in the fridge for a few hours so they've got a nice little bit fridge of fridge or freezer um i would have put them in the freezer but there wasn't room oh uh, so i had to just clear out some salad and stuff in the fridge <laughs> and, uh, you've been trying to do that for ages <laughs> anyway get on with the anyway, drink so, so yeah uh, first thing i would say co- um, not collins glasses as we always say you'll drink your way but, you know, there is a reason for looking out for highball glasses, if possible. They are slightly smaller, mm. which means everything's a little bit more compact. You don't end up with too much ice, too much soda, whatever. So it does keep it all a little bit more intense. So look out for highball glasses if you can. So that's what I'm using. I've had those chilling. I'm adding in my ice to both glasses. It's a shame you're not doing the proper Japanese way of doing an iced carving or something yeah yeah you really <laughs> want to i attempted that one you said and, you wanted it perfection was not a good it was not a pretty sign. i'm glad you reminded me yeah anyway back <laughs> moving in the real swiftly world, on <laughs> i filled my chilled glasses with eyes to the top and spirit why not chew, chill your spirit you know as bars they keep their gin or whatever in the chill chiller cabinet for when they're making a martini whiskey in the freezer you know mm, it's not something ago, you think about no actually. and people would oh you can't do that again we didn't have enough room in the freezer so very cleverly no oh. i don't know if you noticed me doing this a few hours ago i decanted exactly the right amount for two highballs oh, into a bijou bottle mm. and shoved that in the freezer so that's been in the freezer for about three hours i think so my spirit which is johnny walker black is nice and cold so i just need to decant half each of this pre-measured into each so there you go pretty get nifty that get that in. and of course our tonic which again i'm not tonic beg your pardon soda soda so this also has been in the fridge so you'll notice when you next go to the fridge and freezer a lot of things <laughs> seem nothing. to have moved or missing uh, but it's all in the way of making a good drink you know i think also we need to get an industrial size fridge and freezer <laughs> wouldn't that we? be fantastic so in terms of soda I'm not just saying topping it up. I am measuring, and I will say, again, it is personal preference, but, you know, the wisdom seems to be about twice the amount of soda water to spirit, or even up to three times the amount. So I would say... Starts off with the two. Exactly, Mm. go with that. and then So I've gone two to one, so I've got 50 ml each of whiskey and 100 ml of soda and the last thing which i think is also interesting actually no two last things i'm um, while i'm explaining two one of the two things. last things i'll <laughs> do the other last thing so i'll uh, just put a little bit of lemon peel garnish on but yeah the other thing i was going to say is that yeah my mind's gone completely blank <laughs> <what I've gotta laughs> <say>. please please <laughs> do don't keep no, us in suspense no, okay so i've got so do list. you not pull through the ah. soda? Thank you. There you go. Thank you. That is exactly what I was going to say. There's a, there's a reason for teamwork, isn't there? <laughs> there's no iron team. Uh, yeah, because, you know, with some longer drinks, when you've got a bit of, I don't know, heavier sort of liquid at the bottom, you might need to pull it through. With this, you really don't because it's uh, the stirring, if you like. Uh, the mixing oh, it's the is carbonation. done by the carbonation. And they even go as far to say, in some of the things I've read, that if you stir with a metal spoon, that adversely affects the oh, carbonation okay. so i've not stirred it i've just put it in and there you we go. learn something new all the time over to you. whiskey okay. highball 
Happy World Whiskey Day, everyone. Happy World Whiskey Day. Yeah, cheers. Coming up on Saturday. Cheers. Chin chin. Oslan Javar. Mmm. Great. Perfect. Showcases whiskey nicely, I think. Beautiful. Very new product this week. Well, new to me, and I think new to the UK. It's a new release called The Wise Man. Mm-hmm. But to give it its oh, going back to we're doing this sort of manny thing with the old man drinks. We didn't even plan that, did we? So. Well, actually, actually, I'd like to think we planned all of this. Yes, but, of course. It's not just sure. thrown together, folks. <laughs> uh, to give it its full title, it's actually called the Wise Man American Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey, and it's from the Kentucky Owl Whiskey Distillery. Right. That's a mouthful even before I started. Isn't so, it? Very briefly, it's a, a distillery that originally was founded around about 1879. I think prohibition-wise, it then vanished, not surprisingly. It was reborn, I think, in the last 10 years or so. And now they've just done some really nice releases over the last few years. And this is the latest one of them. But first of all, let's talk about the bottle, mm. as we, we often like to. I think this is a really interesting bottle. It's kind of it's for me, it's almost like a halfway between something traditional and something contemporary. So let me pass it to you. I think from, it's from got, a distance to me, yeah. it looks more traditional. Yeah, than but it then does look close up at the label because I think the yes, label's fascinating. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And the, all that lovely raised type, and there's a yeah. lot of stuff going on there's in a this lot, label. It's isn't illustrated. That? It looks, I don't know if it is, but it looks like, like almost like an etching or something mm. like that. But it's one of those things you. Blimey, look, there's you're like a little like, owl in there. There's some dialogue stories, in there. there's feathers there's but all look, kinds there's, of there's pyramids on there look there's like three pyramids that is not what i expect to see on a bottle of bourbon blimey okay so. well i hope you're <laughs> going to tell us the story yeah well the thing is folks these uh, these pyramids they're not like the pyramids of ancient egypt and tutankhamun and all that they remind me a bit more of those um you know that pyramid the glass pyramid outside the the Louvre. Oh right, yes, it's yes. that kind of. But I believe, having dug around a bit, this is actually the design of the distillery, oh, which wow. is very, so very mad and interesting. Yeah. I would love to find out more about mm. that. So, yeah, as I say, that's what made me think it is a kind of halfway house between a uh, traditional and contemporary. So. Uh, that's the the bottle, and they talk about indulging in wisdom and knowledge of fine bourbons. So, well, you can you know. see that. That's yeah. probably the the wise man element yeah. of it, yeah. and because there's little bits of owls on there, and there's books all all in yeah, the label. It, it, so I guess all of that knowledge is is imparted. Yes, in the, I think you're absolutely right. So, so you feel you feel. Oh, there you go. Nice cork, and um, mm, smelling good already. So I'm just gonna pour us a little. I know you always say my tasting measures are quite generous. So they are. They are once again. So. You used to like bourbon a lot, didn't you? Yeah, actually, that's funny you should say that because I've got a real soft spot for bourbon because um, going yeah. back many, many years to my early cocktail drinking career, it, I, I, I would drink things like Manhattans or whatever. Or any kind of whiskey-based cocktail was made with bourbon mm. and i liked it because it was softer sometimes it's a bit sweeter and through cocktails it led me to try and the the spirit so that actually started me on my whiskey journey if you like so yeah i've got a real soft spot for bourbon generally. but we haven't been having bourbons much recently i mean over the recent years it has been a thing where we've gone more for whiskey or trying to understand the whiskey category and kind yeah. of left bourbon alone so yeah, it's quite nice to we've both been on such a journey with whiskey so you know and there's so much out there which mm. is fantastic but 
getting back to the wise men what do you think on the old nose there yeah it's it's much sweeter than you would expect from a whiskey as such um very creamy mm. nice and um you know sometimes i like to put color analogy and this is quite red to me yeah which is which is lovely and it's a i believe it's a blend of uh four Kentucky Street mm. bourbons. Yes, I agree with that. It's very creamy, and the mouthfeel is delicious. And it's got a lovely know, and rich. Lo- yes, it is, mm. isn't it? And it's got a lovely little bit of hint of sweetness, sweetness balancing the, the heat. So yeah. I, I think this is really lovely. Actually. It's also, I mean, you know, my favourite word, elegant. Mm. But it is something that I would say that it's quite a nice way in for a lot of people that may be still intimidated by Scotch whiskey, but there is something much more approachable, yes, I guess, yes, to, I to this. This is lovely. And I, I think this would also, not surprisingly, I think this would sit really nicely mm. in some sort of classic cocktails. Mm. Like I could imagine this in the aforementioned uh, Manhattan or a, a Bouvardier. And they, they, on their website, have a recipe with, uh, it's kind of, they, they call it a night owl martini. It's effectively a espresso martini with this in place of vodka. And I think that, that would work be nice. really well. So that is the Wise Man American Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. It's £60 for a 70cl bottle, and it's available from lots of good outlets. But check out the cocktail. Outlets. Owlets, see what you did there. <laughs> no extra charge for that amazing pun. Um, and details, of course, on the cocktaillovers.com. So moving on to the second of our dark spirits. Yes. And this is one of my absolute favourites. Favourite spirits? spirits? Yes. Okay. Which and brand. Right. So the spirit is rum. Right. And the brand is Takamaka. Yeah. So you like them as well. So tell me what your first, when I say Takamaka, what comes to mind the for you? The first thing, that, there's a lot of things that actually come to mind, but the first thing is, I think it was the first kind of, when we first came across them, which was, I'm not sure it was last year, the year before, when they did this wonderful initiative during that terrible couple of years everyone was having. And they looked very much at the hospitality industry and they came up with an initiative called Send a Friend to the Seychelles, which is their home Mm -hmm. and what they invited people in the industry to do was to anonymously suggest and put forward people they thought who had gone over and above the call of duty in trying to deal with the pandemic and deserved a holiday and deserved a holiday Mm. and the holiday being the Seychelles and we were honoured to be involved a little in that absolutely so as soon as that happened I must admit I fell head over heels in love with the brand because I think anyone that does that and just sort of reaches out and thinks what can we do to help you know it's like what better than a holiday and not just a holiday but in the Seychelles so they won us over hook line and sinker that was even before we'd got tasted the rum before we tasted the rum yeah absolutely so we were lucky enough this year right in the dreary january we were transported off to the Seychelles so i'm not saying that to show off no i'm just saying it to say that that was another reason that really drew us into the brand and everything it stands for it's 
amazing hospitality. It's genuinely just beautiful and passionate and wonderful. I think passion is the word because it's mm. a real family concern, isn't it? Yes. And so it's it's the the brand was born twenty years ago, and it's it's a brainchild of two brothers actually, Bernard and Richard Doffey, who still run the brand. And at, at the beginning. Bernard and his father made this rum just for locals, really. They wanted to produce something, a a quality product that locals could enjoy. And so they did that. Richard joined a bit later. And now it is a global business. And one of the things that if you talk to anybody in hospitality, they will smile when you mention the word Takamaka because they've all shared a bit of this hospitality as well. So can I just have one other thing I'd say about? when we were there as i say you can not only experience the brand and the rums obviously but you get a real sense of what they're about like when you visit the the distillery and and also they're very aware and concerned about things like sustainability we met their lovely what do you call them giant turtles yes taka and maca Maca, who are huge (laughs) and they're they're joyous have a look on our instagram feed because they are humongous these these turtles but also if anybody ever before we get to the rums and we have to say this if you are in the seychelles do call into the Takamaka Distillery because it's a wonderful experience. It's very homely, very wonderful. They've got a lovely spice garden there. They've got their lovely little stalls outside selling street food and rum cocktails, obviously. But it's just a great way to spend some time. Absolutely. Okay, back to the rums. So there are three expressions in the Takamaka series. They've got the Seychelles series, Le Clos series, and the one that we're talking about today is the Saint-André series, which has just launched in the UK and, and Europe. It is absolutely wonderful. We tasted it in the Seychelles sunshine, so we want to see... <laughs> easy for you to say (laughs) and we want to see how it translates because you know it's like having limoncello in italy always tastes amazing in italy when you get it home not Not so so. much (laughs) so yeah we want to see as you said that seychelles sunshine does it come to gray old london yes exactly so before we get on to it there's four in the range we're only going to try two today there's the extra noir there's a Zippies Creole, Petit Lecaz, and Grand Cas. And so the thing with these rums, they're using lots of different techniques. So right back in the day when they started 20 years ago, it was just distilling at home. Now they've taken it to the whole new level where they're doing hydrodynamic cavitation which is a whole lot of tech and experimentation, but it's resulting in amazing things. Pushing what you can do. Yes. Yes, exactly. So they're sort of showcasing the rich heritage of their own terroir, as it was, but blending it all with these wonderful new technologies as well. So the best of Creole traditions married with technology basically so this at the moment so what they're doing they're mixing a variety of techniques and methods so it's using a a mix of cane and molasses rums pot and column distillates and the cavitation so there's a whole lot of wonderment going on there so 
Shall we get on with the tasting? Well, there's a whole Are you thirsty, them, but, my friend? Yeah, but also, ultimately, it comes down to what's in the glass. Absolutely. So before we get on to it, let's talk so, about the bottles. What yes. would you say about well, the yeah, design? Yeah, because it's a fairly recently redesigned bottle, yes. isn't it? And it's got, it evokes the, the blue skies and the sunshine of Seychelles. And also, there's a kind of hint of the Seychelles flag i yes. mean it's not like they've put the flag literally on the label but if you look at the flag and look at the label there's a nice sort of synergy there mm. and it does make you smile when you look at the bottle you know it does kind of make it make you think i'm in for something a little bit and warming yeah, yeah. and it really is a, quite a modern um, interpretation because they did do a whole new redesign with huge label design company called pearl fisher who have really executed i think think the whole characteristic of the brand and the Seychelles and the modernity of what they're doing with this rum I think you know when you see this it's not your average Seychellois rum okay right you think yeah so let's go on to the first one we're extra noir yeah pour one for me yes Yes, I am there it is okay right thank you there you go. Sorry. There you go. So let's talk about the colour first of all. What would you say? It's all got. It's it's not. It's not dark. It's not light. Somewhere in the middle. It's yeah, it's a rich light. amber. I'd a ri- say. Thank you, rich <laughs> amber. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so much more eloquent. Um, yeah, it's got rich amber. It's got a nice, nice little glow about it. Mm-hmm. So lovely it's good texture as you can see when you swirl it around your glass getting a little bit more technical we'll do the legs thing Uh, here which is the the sort of residue that you get when you swirl the glass around that's it looks unctuous Mm. and on the nose scary it's all it's it's fresh it reminds me of a sort of being in uh, out outdoors you know oh it's lovely you see this is what i love about rum it's warm it's sunshine it is smiles it's Mm. hugs rum is hugs to me Mm. and it's just this thing where even though they created this to be mixed um i Personally, I think that you could just have this over ice with, you know, just sit there in the sun or in London and enjoy it. But they, they've designed it to be mixed. So they say with a ginger beer or ginger yeah. ale or something. But I just love this. It's mm. beautiful. I just want to roll it round your mouth. Mm. You? And mm. that's not, and I'm not being biased because of, you know, our experience and what we love about the people and and the land itself. But actually take all of that away and it's still super delicious. Yes, indeed. Mm. Mm. Oh. Okay, sorry. But if we can just, just drag you from away <laughs> from the first one and move on to the second. So now <laughs> we're going to Zabise Creole. Zabise Creole. Which is their spiced rum. Every, you know, some people don't like the heavy rums. The spiced rums do very well. People, people love them. And this one is a celebration of, of Creole, Creole spicing and, um, the Seychelles in particular. So Stephen, their fabulous blender oh, who yeah. we met over there is young, passionate, really creative. So passionate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he's used a, a selection of locally grown spices to add to this so there's nutmeg there's cinnamon 
cloves and four spices. And again, there is this um, cavitation part that goes into it. Mm. So, so, thank you. Mm, there you go. And that's very different, the look of this one, isn't mm, it? It's lighter in yeah. colour, just golden, a little bit golden. golden. Yes, indeed. Yeah. And very, very lovely and spicy oh, on the nose. It is spicy, but it's... It's a nice, subtle spice, isn't it? Yeah, it's not, um, you know, there's a lot of spiced rums, I would say more commercially available ones, that are really sweet and mm. kind of synthetic tasting. This is real spicing, you know, you get the cloves. Some people don't like cloves, but actually in this, I think it works really well because there's that kind of power that cloves bring to the game you know yeah. that and really it, works and well sort of spice when i said on uh, when i was smelling it, it was subtle and the same in the tasting it 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 just feels like walking through a spice market doesn't it you know yes. when, when you get the sunshine oh on a, look at you on a spice. this is <laughs> yeah. good i love it mr sharpen <laughs> <laughs> when you get the sunshine on a spice market and all those yes Aromas. And it, hits, it lifts it's that in a glass. Yes, it's really beautiful. We love that. So apart from those two, there are two others, as we say, Petit Lacaz and Grand Caz. Um, but these are the ones that we're really heroing at the moment. Mm. And I think that those will do hugely well. Um, they've just become available in London now. So Extra Noir is... 43 ABV, as is the piece of Creole, actually. And Extra Noir is £35. The piece of Creole, a little bit more. I think it's nudging up to 40 but I would say I go value, for that. Actually. Absolutely. <laughs> bloody good, he says. <laughs> um, and we, we say, if you can't get to the Seychelles, bring it into your home by having it in your glass. But if you do go to the Seychelles, Definitely, definitely make sure that you pop into the Takamaka distillery and tell them the cocktail lovers sent you. And now for a cocktail hack from one of our experts. I'm Chris Tanner. I'm the general manager at Silverleaf in London. Um, my cocktail hack for you is to use up citrus peel by putting it in a container covered in sugar and to leave it overnight to make a oleo saccharum from those oils that are present in the skins and to add a drop of that to your cocktails to push them over the line with huge flavours. It's worth noting that it's not limited to just citrus peels, but you can also do this with fruits and herbs and fresh herbs, anything fresh that you want to use up and give some life to. like to mix up our bar reviews some of them are old some are revisited this is one that we actually i'm ashamed to say i've never been to yeah me too and it opened in 2004 that is a long long time in in any establishment really but yeah. for bar terms that is incredible so the bar we're talking about is called shoshu lounge and it's downstairs in a restaurant called Roker, which mm. is in Charlotte Street in Fitzrovia. Yeah. And we went along and it was absolutely lovely. I mean, I always knew that it was quite special. It's one of these um, places that, considering that it opened in 2004 and they were specialising in Japanese spirits, it's quite a big ahead ask of, at of, that time. Ahead of everybody. Exactly. Should we describe the 
uh, the look a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, Because as you said, it's beneath the, that beautiful restaurant, Roca. And Roca, you know, it's big, got lots of natural light, mm. and it's fantastic food. And then you go down into the basement, and this is a totally different Complete vibe. Complete opposite. Yeah, it's kind but of... But still beautiful. Yeah, it's very... It's kind of a little bit smaller, more intimate. It's dark. The, the lighting is very cool. There's a central bar, which I think nods towards those kind of... Is it like horseshoe shape? bar that you it is very prevalent in japan mm-hmm. so there's a nod towards that they've got a lovely as you said it's been around for a long while but they've got this great prep area it's with chopping still balls very very modern ice. isn't yeah. it and you know that that central prep area that you're talking about that does serve as a real focal point you've got this wonderful slab of ice which they are always sort of chipping away and making their beautiful ice blocks yeah. which i hoped it, it, that you would have made for us for our, <laughs> our whiskey highball but no, I, I need to do my ice carving masterclass. absolutely but also yeah. the room itself is just drop dead sexy isn't yeah, it you know it's very it's real date night well yeah for any group any... But i mean i would definitely think it's a great date yeah night place. exactly it's yeah. dark it's sexy it's very smart as yeah. well but very informal so yeah. you know you walk down and you're greeted i think the first thing that you see is this beautiful cherry blossom that's hanging yeah. from, from the ceilings and that makes a lovely contrast to the darkness of the room so you've got this beautiful pink cherry blossom and then on one side of the walls is a beautiful graffiti not graffiti no, artwork a, a mural. Mural, mural that's the yeah. word and that's by jamie hewlett who does all of the gorillas artwork so yeah. it's really very pops out. very cool yeah, yeah exactly we've got got some pictures on our instagram feed so please do have a look at those so that's the actual setting so that you can sit around the bar but there's also tables towards yeah. the back yeah all over it's, yeah, it's designed really well yeah, isn't you, it? you can be as upfront with the bar experience as you like or you know say date night you might just want to get or, one of those little nice corner friends, tables you yeah. know i think that that works really well so also all around there's there are lots of nods to japanese drinks culture i'd yeah. say you know i've got these beautiful um ceramic urns of aging shoshus and awamoris that um those are traditional japanese spirits that are aged and infused with different things this is what shoshu lounge specializes in i think that's the thing that's great about it is as we say about certain experiences you can go there as an absolute expert on your japanese spirits or you can go there as an absolute novice or anywhere in between and we are definitely somewhere in between closer to novice definitely mm. and have a great time mm. and learn about those spirits yeah, if you want to if you want to absolutely yeah. so you can sit up front as we did at the bar so we're watching them carve in these beautiful you know whether they're ice balls or just beautiful ice chips or whatever yeah yeah. working well and then sort of seeing them going through all of these wonderful spirits so for people that don't know much about soshu it's something that japanese people will drink along with their meals really so it's much like wine and and it's slightly lower abv than traditional spirits so it comes in at about 25 30 ish um our more is a bit higher that is 30 to about 43 mm-hmm. abv and then you've got sake which is 18 to 20 percent abv so sake and soshi were drank with meals Awamore a little bit more punchy so it can be in cocktails but here they do all of those spirits 
on their own or in cocktails. And we had some great ones, didn't we? We we did. We had some great cocktails. And shall I start with, we had the uh, Awa Martini. Is that the correct? I always look to you for pronunciation I've got no idea. My Uh, Japanese is that good. I would say Awa Martini. Okay, there you go. Uh, That's made with uh, Haku Vodka, Tsunami 13-year-old Awa Maori, Fino Sherry, Bergamot Liqueur, and Shisho Oil. Mm. And also, we have to say that Everything we had was paired with food as well. So that was our... We had a welcome drink, didn't we? We had a highball, which was the Ryuku um, highball, which it was the Awamora with soda water. So very much a highball that we've just made, but with a different spirit. Yeah. Um, then our martini came with a campachi salad, no salata. So that was um, a lovely yellowtail sashimi yuzu truffle dressing. Oh, my God, that was so good. Just jumping backwards and forwards, but jumping back to the martini itself, Mm. uh, as you and I often say, and we have done for a number of years to each other, we're big martini fans, And you know, in terms of like a gin martini mainly, you know, vodka martini sometimes, but martini. And I think this is, if you like your martinis, this is a great piece of exploration to yeah. do it's a real flavor explosion yeah they also had some italicus liqueur and a bit of purple shisho oil so you had that lovely oil that gives you that wonderful mouthfeel as well so that was great and also with that we had a scallop skewer with mm, wasabi mm, mm. and shisho kampachi sashimi which was gorgeous our next drink was Negroni-san, and that was uh, buckwheat shoshu, campari, uh, cocky torino vermouth, and burnt cedarwood. And the burnt Mm. is worth um, highlighting here because they sort of did a little bit of flaming on the cedarwood as the garnish. And that aroma was beautiful. And it carried, it really mm. carried through into the yeah. drink and the whole experience. And we had that paired with um, black tiger prawn tempura with wasabi peas and chili mayonnaise. And I must say, the food is incredible and the drinks match absolutely beautiful. The drinks that we had, they don't actually have a cocktail and food pairing no, menu, but no. we did say to them they should because it works so, so well. And the drinks that they paired with the food that we had was really, really highly recommended. And a note again on the food, it's the same food that you get upstairs. Yeah, I think at they Roca. serve pretty much the full menu. For yeah, upstairs, exactly. Which is a, yeah. a win-win, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, really? absolutely. Because a lot of places you you may get a different menu yeah. downstairs in the bar, and that's not to say it's not a good menu, but this is restaurant quality menu. So just to yeah. let you know, your drinks are tip top, and so is your food. And and, and on, on that, as you said, they don't officially, if you like. Uh, pair uh, the the spirits or the cocktails with food but it's really worth asking them because Mm. they get they're really enthusiastic about the pairing thing so i think you know if you're there and you you like this food and you like your cocktails just ask for recommendations you you won't go wrong yeah and they really love that actually because it's it's one of those things where they're never going to push their knowledge onto you but if they know that you're interested they will share it with you quite happily. They've got 
umpteen um, Japanese whiskies, shoshus, some that they're infusing themselves, some that, you know, there's all manner of great things. And it is one of those that you have to keep going back to. But our last one we had was called a smoked Fleming, which was toki whiskey, charcoal honey, ginger, sweet potato soshu, lemon, and a barley spray, which we had with the lamb cutlet. Mm. Oh, I wish you would keep reminding me of what I'm we had so to eat. I'm so hungry they now. Were, they were so good. Anyway, let's stay on the drinks. Yes, go on. Yeah, yeah again, uh, what else can I say? That Every single drink we had was so flavorful, intricate, um, approachable. I like the fact that pretty much every drink we had – and this isn't rocket science, but kind of making them like a nod towards a martini on a groni. Yeah, it kind of gives you a reference point. It gives you a way in, doesn't mm. it? And I think that's true of this last drink as well. But they also really deftly balanced all of their flavours. It was so good. It was lovely watching them make these drinks as well. But the the flavour experience that we had, both from the drinks and the food, was just absolutely tip-top. And as I say bit of shame that i hadn't been yeah, before well, now i but... share your shame yeah, yeah. no seriously <laughs> but yeah, we, all we, good we... things you know yeah, it's just yeah. like it's still there you yeah. know and there's a reason that a bar can still be there after all this time so we would definitely recommend it anything else that you'd like to highlight uh, only that i can't wait to get back there absolutely so that is Soshu lounge and definitely ask for lorenzo and the team simon was there and we just had the best time and can't praise it highly enough the brand new issue of the cocktail lovers magazine is available now and the theme rather fittingly is in with the new we look at the best new bar openings around the world some of the new bottles to have in your drinks cabinet and we celebrate five classic cocktails reimagined for modern palettes and there's a whole lot more. Even the magazine has a brand new look. To discover more and find out how to get your copy in print or on digital, see thecocktaillovers.com slash magazine. Now, I don't know if really I should be doing this book because in some <laughs> That's ways... That's a good start. <laughs> well, you know, there's, there's some things I like about it, some things I don't. But anyway, I thought that I would share it with you. Mm-hmm. The book is called Old Man Drinks and it's Recipes, Advice and Barstool Wisdom. And it's written by Robert Schnackenberg. And I bought this for you about 10 years ago, thinking it was quite witty because it's yeah. old man drinks. Thank and you. I just thought how it was quite I, how funny. I laughed. <laughs> but the thing is, they do talk about, oh, you don't want to have girly drinks. It's time to drink like a man. So that side of it, I don't like. But what yeah. I do like is the fact that it's really just classic cocktails. So yeah. lots of stirred brown down yeah. drinks, you know, and I quite like that. Also, What's quite fun, it's a very nice sort of palm-sized book. You know, you've got this lovely, lovely size to it. And also there's a bit of humour. So they're talking about old man drinks and they've got lots of... um, 
beautiful black and white photographs of real old men (laughs) (laughs) drinking. (laughs) And they have little quotes and things. I mean, some of them are just ridiculous and a little, not sexist, but, you know, old Uh, man. Would you say, basically, it's ironic? It's ironic, yes. So, you know, there's photos of the men in the bars with quotes from some of these men that are overheard in the bars. They're all been put in with their permission. So there's one sort of thing like somebody said, (laughs) people would say oh that's just one of those weirdos who drinks here then I realized I was one of those weirdos (laughs) you know those sort of things so just little little snippets that make you smile but the the cocktail recipes themselves are lovely you know they've got things like Satan's Whiskers, they've got Old Pal, a Dubonnet cocktail, Gibson, Aviation, Boilermaker, Grasshopper, all the classics. All the classics. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's just a simple, straightforward book. It doesn't pretend to be anything other than <laughs> what it is, yeah. old man drinks. <laughs> I mean, I, I do remember when you did give this to me all those years ago, and it did make me laugh, you know. I, I, I mean, the cover is the last cocktail book cover i would ever imagine a, a geezer in a flat cap drinking from a half pint beer mug yeah exactly you know, like, but you know it makes you laugh and i i think that thing of recipes advice and barstool wisdom is good it's a nicely produced book as you say it's kind of small so it's a good one to sort of have around the kitchen yeah or it's yeah. just a nice funny little gift really yeah. so that is like old this. man drinks yeah. and it's published it was published in 2010 still available if you search around on amazon and it is published by quirk books no less Thomas Ask has worked in the hospitality industry for over 20 years in bars, restaurants and hotels, as well as five years with global drinks giant Diageo. He has co-founded many hospitality-driven companies and worked extensively as a consultant. During the past decade, he has co-owned over 10 bars, including Pearl and the Worship Street Whistling Shop, and is currently the co-founder and managing director of Whiskey Me!, one of the UK's most innovative and largest whiskey-based subscription companies with more than 10,000 members receiving whiskey through their letterbox each month. And if this wasn't enough to keep him busy, the last few years have seen him co-found Black Rock Whiskey Bars, initially in the UK and now branching out with five sites across China, the first in Shanghai opening at the end of last year. Thomas, welcome to the Cocktail Lovers Podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yes. Gary, it's a pleasure to be on. Appreciate it. Fantastic. <laughs> That's quite a long list of things there. <laughs> it must be, it's, it's always a little bit surprising when you hear, oh my gosh, I, I have done a lot. Yeah. yeah, well, it's, I mean, it still feels, you know, it still feels quite new to me, but, you know, 23 years in the industry is a lot that you can do in that time, isn't there? And, <laughs> well, um, you, you have. Yeah, 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 we have. I say I, I have, we have with Tristan as well. I think we've, you know, we've, We've tried a lot of things. <laughs> well, we're, we're going to talk about a few of those, if that's okay. So why don't we go back right to the beginning then? So when you first started this 20 plus years, what kind of things were you doing in the drinks industry? And, you know, how did you find yourself in it? I first started in hospitality back in Nottingham in around what had been 1998, I think it was, or 1999, primarily as a 
a bar back. And then when, when I finished college, moved into working in a nightclub, you know, 3,000 capacity nightclub, firing out, you know, vodka Red Bulls, yeah. two or 300 vodka Red Bulls, and eventually stumbled into my first sort of more cocktail-driven venue again in Nottingham. It was really from there, you know, about 2000 that I started to get an interest in, in drinks. And during that time, you also were working a lot with uh, Diageo as well. Yeah, I, I, around that particular time, well, I, to, for a bit of context, I joined Diageo in 2005 when I went to work for them. So there was a period of around five years there where I knew and had contacts within Diageo. I think I was in my early 20s and I ended up managing a couple of venues in Nottingham. So I had, you know, I guess more sort of commercial dealings with Diageo at that point. I actually interviewed three times for Diageo and failed twice. In fact, I actually failed all three times and then ended up going via a different route, which involved working for an external marketing company on Cuervo. Um, right. And eventually they offered me a permanent position. But but yeah, no, we used to, used to work with them a lot. Okay. And then so obviously, you know, you were doing a lot of different things and it sounds like you were having a really good time doing those things. So how did it, how did you get into actually opening bars? Well, I guess to start with, when I worked at Diageo, again, 2005 up until early 2010, it was about halfway through that, that Tristan, my business partner, current business partner at Whiskey Me and Blackrock, he joined the same team that I was in. I'd never met the guy before, didn't know him from Adam, really. But clearly, we both had you know similar interests, I think, not just in terms of the hospitality industry and alcohol, but also in business as well. And I think we both had aspirations to own our own businesses or bars. And effectively, we just started talking about it and said, you know, I, I expressed that I had an interest in opening my own bars or setting up my own business. And he had the same. And we decided, well, the first thing that we knew was that we basically had no money. Um, right. So opening a bar with absolutely no money, <laughs> obviously, is a non-starter, unless you're going to take on investment, which we didn't. So we decided to co-found Fluid Movement, which was effectively a consultancy business this is at the end of 2009 and we're both actually as we were building this out we're both still working at Diageo because obviously we we had to retain an income yeah Um, and then something incredibly fortunate happened really for both of us which was that out of the blue I was contacted by an ex-colleague actually who I used to work with back in Nottingham in about 2000 or 2001 who was subsequently is a chef and he was subsequently consulting on a restaurant in Azerbaijan, in Baku. Um, huge, huge venue. I think owned by the the president's daughter's husband or something like that. Right. So obviously, you know, very well healed and very well financed. And my friend basically said, look, would you be interested? They're looking for somebody to develop the drinks. Would you be interested in, you know, proposing for it? And of course, we we're like, well, yeah, we've got nothing to lose. And we built a proposal and we ended up getting the work, basically. And the work that we got involved going out to Azerbaijan. This consultancy job gave us 50% of the, capa- uh, of the capital necessary to open Pearl, which was our first bar. And so we took that. We hadn't even received the cash, but we took the, you know, the purchase order, effectively went to Lloyd's, which was our bank, and said, you know, we've got this agreement here. Will you match it? And they said yes. Wow. Uh, which they would never do now. I mean, nowadays you you know you couldn't, <laughs> couldn't even get a, a two thousand pound overdraft. Yeah. Um, but back then they said, yeah, we'll match it. And so, whilst we were in Azerbaijan delivering this consultancy gig, we were also negotiating the lease on the first site, which was Pearl. And you know, I think I came back. I was there for the month of March twenty ten. 
came back and I think we opened in June. And basically, we built the entire thing ourselves. I think Matt, you know, Matt Wiley built the entire bat bar with, yeah. you know, out of plywood and, and <laughs> screws. And, you know, Brian was painting and Tristan was doing plumbing and I don't know what I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> But, um, you know, and that's just scratching the surface of that period yeah. in a way. But let's go a little bit further forward to Black Rock, mm-hmm. which is, I should say, which is where we're actually sitting yeah. right now, yeah. which is a favourite bar of ours. We actually talked about it on the podcast, Sandra yeah. and I, a few months ago. So um, what made you focus um, on whiskey? Mm. Well, I think for, I think first and foremost, we, we saw, or we believed we saw, a shift in perception of whiskey and what it's about, mainly from a standpoint of the way that brands, and a lot driven by Diageo, the way that brands and big companies were trying to reposition whiskey and the types of audiences that they were looking at. And it came about, quite honestly, because we were having conversations with Diageo directly at the time about opening a whiskey bar with them. Um, It was a collaborative conversation and they, they said, look, you know, would you consider this? And anyway, nothing came of it with Diageo, but what we had done in the process is started to build out this concept of, well, it wasn't Black Rock at the time, but um, it was a whiskey bar. And then we also got contacted by the Marriott Hotel. We did some, we did some seminar work out in Bangkok for Marriott Group. And after we came back, they approached us and said, oh, we've got a space in Singapore in a hotel. Would you be interested in looking at it and pitching to put a concept in there? So it was after that that we thought, right, okay, you know, Singapore, whiskey, great. You know, we know it works. We have this great concept. The idea behind, obviously, is to simplify the category, make it accessible, you know, remove the old barriers and stigma attached to whiskey and open it up and be the gateway for anyone that has an aspiration to get into whiskey. So anyway, so we went out to Singapore. I pitched it. We didn't get the space. They went with somebody else. But we came back and we still we felt we had this great concept. And and then you know out of the blue one day I walked past where we're sat right now and there was a a to let sign outside. Wow. And, yeah. And so I called them and had a look and I was like, right, it's absolutely perfect for what we want to do. Very small, easy to manage, intimate. You know, we love basements. And it kind of made sense. And so we, yeah, we, we spoke to the landlord and put an offer in. And, you know, a few months later, that was in the February. And I think, you know, six to eight weeks later or something ridiculous like that, we were, we were open or a couple of, you know, a few months later, we were open. So yeah, that's really how it, how it started. And, and the, the thing is that really struck us when we first came here and on subsequent visits is how you've managed to straddle everything from, uh, newbies people like the ones you're sort of talking about you know how do you bring people into the category how do you make it accessible and get rid of the older image but at the same time if you really are into your whiskey at the other end of the scale it works for those people as well so how did you go about you know actually if you could describe a little bit about how you came about with that idea well well, i mean black rock effectively is a a a sort of modern interpretation of a whiskey bar really and there were there were three to between three and five key points that we saw within whiskey and whiskey bars that we really felt needed to be turned on their head and it'll paint a picture as to the type of ambience and the concept the first one was music you know what we wanted was we wanted people to come to black rock as much for the ambience and the atmosphere and the service as they do for the whiskey because we recognize that you know you might have a group of six or eight friends. Not all of them are going to be into whiskey. You know, not all of them are going to be 
huge advocates of the category. They might want to get into it, but the reality is that you've got to you've got to cater for and provide something that is enjoyable to everybody. And so we thought, well, you know, hip hop. We love hip hop. We love R and B. We realised that for the you know for the sort of demographic we're aiming at, it was music that people really could get behind and get into. And it also you know had the added benefit of flipping entirely on its head the perception of what a whiskey bar is. Yeah. Where you know you might go to the Boysdale or uh, Milroy's or somewhere like that, where you know just a bit more traditional, a bit more classic in their approach. Nothing wrong with that. But what we wanted to do was to become an approachable brand for people who want to get into that category. So the music was incredibly important. And then we started thinking about, you know, whiskey itself and how do people, you know, how can we communicate whiskey to people in a way that everybody understands without really the need to communicate much at all. And so we thought about, you know, the most important thing, which is flavor. Now, you know, everybody understands the type of food and type of drink that they enjoy, right? You know, from a a basic level, they know whether they like, you know, savory food or they like sweet food or smoky or spicy or, or, you know, lighter, more fragrant. And so we thought, well, actually, you know, taking a bit of inspiration from Diageo's flavor map of whiskey, we thought, well, this is exactly what we need to do. We need to have our whiskeys within the bar positioned purely based on flavor. And so we have three cabinets in this Black Rock, each of the cabinets on the front indicate the flavour. So smoke, fruit, balance, fragrance, spice and sweet. The higher up the cabinet, the lighter the style. The lower down the cabinet, the heavier the style. And so, you know, a typical conversation with a guest that comes in here isn't isn't like other whiskey bars where they will get a list, a big long list and a yeah. menu of a thousand And you don't know where to start. Yeah. And also, you know, from, from the bartender's perspective, it's a bloody nightmare because they don't know where to start. You know, they're not, nobody is going to have the in-depth knowledge enough to know 400 whiskies off the bat to be able to recommend stuff. So, you know, we, we work the other way around. We say, well, look, A, have you ever tried, a, you know, have you ever had a whiskey before that you enjoy? And they might say yes, in which case you go, right, well, come with me. Let me show you within the cabinet where that whiskey sits. And there's probably 10 or 12 whiskies surrounding it that are of a similar flavor profile from all over the world. And so it's likely that you'll find a whiskey amongst them that you enjoy. You know, in a similar way, they might go, well, I've never had whiskey in my life. And you'd be like, okay, well, do you have any preference? You know, do you like do you like chocolate fondant? Do you like creme brulee? Do you like sweet stuff? Do you like smoked meats or cheese? And by using that, you can then guide them to one of these cabinets and go, right, well, based on you know, based on your sort of flavor preferences, have a look in this cabinet, you know, pick the bottles up. You know, we actively encourage people to actually handle and look at the whiskies that are in there, which you'd never normally do in a whiskey bar because they're all hidden behind the bar. Yeah. And then, you know, thirdly, on every bottle, we indicate the price of every whiskey on the bottle, which is indicated by um, little beads that we glue on. So, you know, one bead is eight pounds, two beads is 10, three is 12. Um, and, it means that you've, you know, you've removed that potential for any awkward conversation about yeah. how much it costs. You yeah. know, it's all the very basic things, the basic issues and barriers that you find with whiskey is, you know, a guy walks into a bar, sounds like a joke starting, a guy walks into a bar and, you know, he's asking the bartender about whiskey recommendations. Well, the bartender has no idea whether the guy's worth 10 quid or 10 million quid. Yeah. And so you can't make the assumption that anybody can either afford you know, afford or want to spend the amount of money on that you might necessarily be recommending it to them. And you also don't want to have that conversation around, oh, by the way, it's 20 quid a dram. Yeah. So we remove all of that. 
Well, like, have a look in the cabinet. If it's got a gold bead on it, the price is on the bottom and you'll know exactly how much it costs. So there's that. And then there's, you know, the cocktails that we do as well, which are, you know, often adaptations of classics, but not necessarily classics that have used whiskey. You know, so we had a, a Negroni, you know, a twist on a Negroni with green yeah. whiskey, for example, one of the most popular cocktails out there. You know, we've had <clears throat> things like, um, I think we've had like grasshoppers and all sorts of drinks that ordinarily wouldn't have, wouldn't necessarily, you know, Cosmo. I think we did a Cosmo once, again, with a grain whiskey, or it might have been with a grain whiskey and a dash of Kalina. But point being is that, you know, these are things that people can recognize that yeah. are popular across the board, but it it connects with whiskey. And then, you know, aside of that, we also have, <clears throat> you know, one gin, one vodka, you know, a tequila, a rum in the back, in the freezer. And, you know, if somebody wants a gin and tonic, they'll get yeah. the best gin and tonic that they'll get anywhere else. You know, on hand-carved ice, beautiful glassware. And so it's a real attention to detail. But no, that was the, that, the concept behind it was how can, we, how can we just strip away all of the pretense, all of the snobbery, yeah. all of the barriers, and, you know, get this amazing liquid in front of the millions of people that aspire to know more about it. Yeah, well, you know that's that's six years on. It clearly worked, so um, that's amazing. And as I say, it's a bar we've come back to a number of times, and it always puts a smile on our face. Which again is not something you, you know, you think with whiskey. It's gonna, I've got to, I've got to be serious about this. But it makes you smile coming in here. So this is in East London. It's quite small, quite intimate. But let's talk about this this amazing expansion that you started at the end of last year. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it really is yeah. amazing. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> been, um, I, I have to be honest, it, the last two and a half years have been challenging. There's been a lot a lot of incredible things that have come out of it. And there's a you know a few negatives as well. The, the actual original expansion actually began frustratingly in around, what would it have been, around early 2019. Or around mid-2019, really. And, you know, Tristan and I always aspired to grow BlackRock out as a, as a brand across the, across the UK and ideally internationally if we ever got the chance to, to do it. And so, and we were well on the way to doing that. Um, so we, we actually started by, we took on a site in Bristol. We repositioned a site that we already had, which actually sits directly above where we are currently at uh, Christopher Street. So we, we adapted and changed the four floors above this to expand Black Rock as a concept. We'd taken on a new site at East India Docks out towards Canary Wharf. And at that time, we also had on the table, it was actually a 10-site licensing deal with the same partners that we've got for Greater China. So everything at mid-2019 was all moving in this direction. Yeah, that was who like, knew well, what was yeah, around the who corner? Who knew what was going <laughs> to happen? And then... And then, you know, early 2020, everything, the rug gets pulled on all fronts, really, because, you know, we had opened Bristol, but we only opened it in October 2019, right? So it'd only been trading for four months or so after, you know, big expense. The expansion above where we are now, Black Rock Tavern, you know, only opened in August time. East India Docks were partway through building. And of course, the license deal got paused for... Rightly so, you know, for a couple of years, really. So that's when it started. And then obviously we've we've kind of battled our way through the pandemic and we've we unfortunately had to close Bristol, you know, mainly because, you know, and understandably as well, I guess from their point, but 
mainly because we couldn't get the support necessary from the landlords at the time. We did get support from the landlord where we are at Christopher Street, which has meant that we're still here, obviously, you yeah. know, having not been able to trade for 18 months out of two years or so. And we managed to renegotiate to keep hold of the site at East India Docks. And then, and then yeah, alongside that, we reinvigorated the conversation around China and managed to get, yeah, six site, five year license deal done with a partner out, out in, in China. The first of which, as you mentioned, opened in, I think it opened just before Christmas last year. In Shanghai. Shanghai, yeah, yeah. In Shanghai. I haven't been. Yeah. I haven't been. I've not been able to go because of the restrictions. So all of this development of this first site has been done remotely, which is bizarre. However, you know, the people that we've partnered with uh, you know the, w- the main contact for the partner that we've got out there um i've known for probably 10 years or more you know he's a he's a guy who's well established within our industry i met him originally uh, there's a guy called colin tate but i met him originally over in bangkok we were doing some consultancy work there probably in about 2012 so you know he's ingrained within it and he's built this he's built this um I guess he's connected the dots, really. Um, he works for a bar group that already exists out in Shanghai. Um, they've got a couple of bars, like live music venues. And so, yeah, we managed to get that done. They're currently in lockdown again, I think, or have been in lockdown again. So the second site, which is going to be in Chengdu, that is effectively all but done and dusted in terms of getting moving with the build and then see where it leads from there. But it's, it's you know, I have to say, of all of the things that I've done in bars you know hospitality like i say some of some have worked well some haven't worked well we've we've opened and we've closed and we've sold some you know we've done the whole the whole lot the one the one thing that i would say i was most proud of was getting that deal done in in china because i think it was a lot of validation around the concept and what we were doing and also i you know i strongly believe that as a concept in that market i just think it really has legs and you know i might be proved wrong over time um but I think the way that we position whiskey for the Chinese mar- for the Chinese market, where there's such an interest and such a passion for whiskey already existing there, you know, and of course there's a lot of people with a lot of money that want to spend on on great whiskey. I just see that it, I, th- I see it has a real, you know, real potential. Yeah, and and the concept is pretty much the same, but scaled up. Yeah, it's 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 scaled up, but not not in a huge way. You know, it's probably three times two and a half to three times the size of the venue we're in which is 28 capacity here it's scaled up in terms of the food offering because one of the partners is you know professional chef danny gao who was on um i think on the equivalent of like master chef over in china so the food offering and the bar snack offering obviously is i'd I'd say probably significantly improved because although the food that we do in london is amazing a lot of it handmade you know, we are making things like scotch eggs by hand ourselves, but we're not chefs, you know, we're just yeah. making tasty food. So that's improved. There's also a cigar terrace over there. You know, the, the whiskies are all positioned exactly the same. There's the table there as well. Um, and so, yeah, it is, you know, it, it is a perfect blueprint copy, but certain elements of it have been expanded on purely because of the size of the space. And that makes it even more interesting for yeah. you, I guess. No, totally. Yeah. I mean, I, funnily enough, when... As I say, the, the imagery and the videos and the, the content that we've seen of it, and this sounds bizarre because, again, I've not been there. As soon as I can, I will be out there. You know, Tristan and I, I think, both said, God, look, you know, they've opened, opened a black rock out there. But, you know, they look like they've done it in such a professional way. And what I mean by that is Black Rock in London is obviously it's, it's a beautiful site, 
but still, you know, Tristan and I still painted the walls, yeah. you know, back in 2016. And, you know, we worked a lot with what we had, whereas you can see there, they've, they've obviously stripped this out from scratch and gone in and, and given it a really nice sort of polish around the details there. And I think it looks, from what I've seen, it looks fantastic. Wow. And being, you know, obviously being run by a very competent team people as well, so... Brilliant. Well, that that sounds very exciting. That leads neatly on to your other uh, big story, which is Whiskey Me, because I, you know what we've been talking about already. You've you've done a lot to make whiskey really accessible to people, and this is another way of doing that. So, can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, um, I mean, Whiskey Me really is a, it. It started as an extension of Black Rock. It came after Black Rock, but the for, for anyone that's not familiar, Whiskey Me is a subscription-based business. We basically send out 6CL samples of whiskey to our members on a monthly basis from £7 a month, basically. But the, the, the ethos and the brand sort of concept really was an extension of Black Rock. It was like, you know, we have Black Rock as a concept that is designed to break down the barriers of whiskey. This can be done on a larger scale um, to service, you know, basically the whole of the UK. And we can take the same principles of making it, you know, price point accessible. So, you know, we are £7 or £7 if you buy an annual or it works out seven ninety five monthly. You know, we specifically positioned it next to a Netflix subscription because we wanted it to be financially as accessible as we could possibly be, you know, whilst also obviously making some margin on what it is that we're doing. You know, the way that we communicate and talk about whiskey is similar you know we use flavor icons and sim- simplify the messaging it's not you know not about using fluffy language and trying to it's really trying to take a communication method of whiskey and remove it from being as much about the communicator as it is about the person it's trying to communicate to and what i mean by that is that very often we found that when you talk to whiskey or you know i guess self-confessed whiskey nerds and people like this what they tend to do or can do is overcomplicate for the sake of overcomplicating because it will show a, a certain level of knowledge around that category. Yeah. Whereas actually, you know, you want to flip that on its head and think about the end user. Think about, you know, I often think, think about my mum, right? Mm-hmm. Doesn't know anything about whiskey, really. But what's to say she can't get into it if it's just communicated in a nice stripped back, simplified way? So, you know, we, we send them out, we send these samples out in pouches, which was probably one of the best things we ever decided to do, really, because it gave us a real point of difference. It allowed us to keep the price point right down, um, because obviously pouch cost versus glass cost is you know, 10% of the cost. The postage is you know, 25% of the postage cost of posting glass, because it weighs, you know, these weigh 90 grams. So we're able to post these out at a standard unsorted second-class Royal Mail, 95 pence, I think it is, or 94 pence, versus, you know, sending glass tract at £3.50 or four yeah. quid. And, you know, it's lighter. We we have a, a recycling scheme where we, we basically ask the members for every 12 empty pouches they send back to us, we send them a free dram. And, nice. we get, you know, we get, we get thousands a month that get sent back to us. In fact, I'm sat with a bag of returned whiskey pouches right now. Yeah, so and I, I just for the, for the listeners, I can tell you that is a very big bag you've <laughs> yeah, got yeah. there. That's a lot of pouches. Yeah, there's a lot, and and so we we use a company called TerraCycle, and we'll we'll recycle them at our cost. Yeah, um, which you know, it sort of I guess does our part to negate the fact that they are in plastic pouches, and you know the industry currently hasn't caught up enough to be able to produce a fully council-based recyclable drinks pouch, which is watertight. Now. 
They are recyclable in certain councils in standard waste, but not in all of them currently. Oh, right. um, and so, you know, we're, we're basically waiting for that to improve. But in the meantime, we'll recycle them for, for the members. So, so, yeah, when we first started, I think this was, what would it have been, 2017 or, or, yeah, end of 2017. You know, we started out with a purely single malt Scotch whiskey subscription. That was it. I think we got to around a thousand members pretty quickly and it was mainly because we ended up on a u.s fox news affiliate channel in a couple of states in america basically where they cottoned on to the fact that we were putting whiskey in pouches yeah and then everything changed again you know you've got good and bad from the pandemic you know we managed to scrape it through to about you know 2300 members roughly as the pandemic was ongoing because obviously you know, everybody's drinking habits changed. And, you've, you know, we can see that by the fact that every man and his, man and his dog set up a either a, you know, a booze shipping company, like a, a you know, not so necessarily a subscription, but at-home cocktails and all their own bottled cocktail brands and amazing for the industry. But you could see that, you know, that was the way things had to move for the sustainability of the industry. Um, and we were just quite fortunate that we'd already been established in that as a subscription business for two years at the point. So, you know, we pumped a little bit more money into marketing and we grew it to about 2,300 members. And then <clears throat> we got contacted by, um, was it BBC, isn't it, Dragon's Den? We got contacted by BBC, uh, one of the producers or one of the, you know, the contacts saying, look, we've seen your business would you be interested in in applying or pitch, you know, applying wow. to go on Dragons then? And obviously Tristan and I being who we are in terms of never backing away from trying, you know, trying something or just doing something yeah. proactive where you think, well, actually, what's the worst thing that can happen here? We either don't get on it. Okay, fine. Well, nobody will ever know. We do get on it and we absolutely balls it up completely. In which case, well, at least we've been in front of two million people. Yeah. Or we go on it and we actually make a success of it. And, you know, we get obviously the investment and the growth that comes with it. And so, we, yeah, we went for it. And then, yeah, we went on the show. And probably one of the most nerve-wracking things I've ever done, I think. It was yeah. utterly terrifying. But also a lot of fun. A lot of fun, you know. And and so, yeah, so that, that completely, a combination of BlackRock not being able to trade, obviously because of the lockdowns, meant a shift in focus entirely to whiskey me from both Tristan and I and basically all our families are involved in it as well like my my wife and his wife are involved in it it meant that we could all focus on that because we didn't have the time needed to focus on the bars and obviously Dragon's Den and when that show aired actually almost a year ago to the day it was on the 13th of May last year it effectively tripled in size or more well, we'll be watching that with interest. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll and, see. <laughs> and I mean, between uh, BlackRock and Whiskey Me, you know, you've done a great job at really opening up whiskey to so many new people. So with that in mind, let's go, let's go home for a moment. So we're at home. Share some of your thoughts on how people like me and our listeners can, you know, really enjoy whiskey at home. I know different ways of serving it or mm. putting it in some easy cocktails. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think I think the beauty of whiskey generally is that the cocktails that you can make from whiskey don't necessarily require a huge amount of ingredients themselves, right? I mean, you know, for me at home, really the two <laughs> the two sort of cocktails that I will drink at home are either a whiskey sour yeah. or an old fashioned. 
depending on what I've got in stock at the time at home, which tends to be a fair amount of whiskey, although not a huge amount of it that, that I open weirdly. I've you know got a few things that I keep, but you know normally things that can be purchased just from the local supermarket. You know to grab some lemons and some granulated sugar and egg white. You know eggs or egg white if you want to make a sour, dead easy. You know a bottle of bitters which will last you probably about two years. Um, you know and, and again a sugar cube. Is not, you know, these are things that are really easy that will always be in the house. So there's something like that. Or alternatively, as I will often drink it, especially in summertime, you know, a simple highball, you know, with personally, I prefer it with soda water or, you know, any other mixer. We've played around with things like, you know, homemade lemonades and, um, you know, sort of like blood orange sodas and I think it's the hibiscus sodas and, and a variety of different mixers that can just add a third dimension to whiskey. Yeah. That's dead simple. I think the key to it, most importantly, is just keep it simple. But also don't be afraid to experiment as well. I mean, I was drinking, I think it was Spayburn with Appletizer and it was delicious. Yeah. And it's like, it makes sense. You know, if you think about it from a simple perspective, it's like apple pie. Yeah. You know, you've got this sort of fruity, rich, Slightly spicy, sort of nutmeg, cinnamon type flavours that are coming through. And then you've got apple, a little bit of acidity and sweetness, and it's carbonated. And so it just has this beautiful, you know, beautiful sort of mouthfeel and balance. But I think, I think you know, people are, people wouldn't necessarily think, oh, well, I'm going to get some appetizer and I'm going to mix it with a single malt. Mm. Um, so I think, you know, don't be afraid to experiment. Think about, you know, cherry cola. Yeah. Cherry cola and bourbon. I mean, you know, dead simple stuff that that just tastes absolutely delicious. That can also, I think the key, especially as we're moving in towards summer is, you know, what can I make in 15, 20 seconds if I'm having guests around or having a barbecue or stuff like that that's going to be accessible, tasty? Because let's face it, you know, not everybody's going to want to drink neat whiskey. But if somebody has, for example, you know, a bourbon and cherry cola or a bourbon and ginger beer, or, you know, a single malt scotch and soda water. It's a nice, I think it's a really nice entry into whiskey without necessarily jumping straight in at the deep end. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's funny you say that as well, because at the at the beginning of this particular episode, we, you know, we always make a cocktail. And we actually made a whiskey highball. So this, this wasn't rehearsed, yeah, folks, yeah. but we made a, a whiskey highball. And it just reminded me of what I just brilliantly simple drink is you know you use a pretty good whiskey in there and you know you pay attention to your ratios whatever and it's fantastic but i love what you were saying about using different flavored sodas or cherry cola and stuff like that is there no rules are there no there aren't i mean you know for me you know i walk into sainsbury's or a supermarket and i will stand in the soft drink aisle and look at it and think well actually what you know why not pick three or four things that I've never tried before or, you know, three or four things that might work and, and give it a go. Because I, I just think it's nice to experiment with new things and have new flavours. You know, I've also got a, a soda stream at home, which is great because it means that I've got basically endless carbonated water, um, which is brilliant for me because yeah. I love, you know, whiskey and soda as well. So, and especially nowadays where, you know, a lot of the soft drink brands, soft drink companies like Fever Tree and you've got Three Cent uh, as well. And these guys, you know, they're coming up with, a huge array of different flavoured mixers. And again, it, you know, if you think about it, that alone tells you the appetite within the marketplace for experimentation, right? When you look at an end aisle in a supermarket and Fever Tree have got 15 different mixers, you know, yeah. they've got five or six different flavoured sodas for one and then different flavoured tonics and, you know, all these different varieties. Clearly there's an appetite for it. And like you say, I just think, 
you know, just experiment. I, I think that's the, the biggest thing about, I think the, one of the biggest barriers around whiskey really it could be mental, you know, mental barriers around yeah. how it's perceived as in people thinking, well, oh God, I could, I could never mix, you know, I could never mix a 15 year old single malt with anything. Well, that, you know, it'd be sacrilege. Well, who's told you that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Where, where does that come from? Is that because your parents drank it neat or is it because you've seen, you know, on TV, somebody only drinks it neat? Where, where have people heard these things to assume that any liquid can't be mixed? I get the price point thing that you might say, well, look, you know, if you've got a 70, 80 quid bottle of whiskey, how comfortable you are to mix it with something, you know, it'd be like, I don't know, you know, but it'd be like buying a, a 250 grand car and smoking in it. You know, it <laughs> might have that kind of perception. But the way I think about it is, look, you drink it how you like it. As simple as that. You know, if you can afford an 80 quid bottle of whiskey and you actually like drinking it with Coke, you know, you go for it. I just think it's important that, People find what they like. No, um, I think that's, I, I just love the way you, you break it down. You break down those barriers. No, I appreciate that. It's been a, yeah, it's been a journey. We're still going. Well, as I said before, we're going to be watching this with interest. We've, we've, we've followed you for so long as, and uh, seen you evolve. And you're, you're clearly a man with a mission and uh, we will look forward to following it. So, um, listeners, they can find out more about Black Rock and Whiskey Me on the cocktaillovers.com. And uh, I'd just like to say, Thomas Ask, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Cocktail Lovers podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please tell your friends and make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. For more details on the people, places and products mentioned today, head over to our website, thecocktaillovers.com. Dot com.